When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Preview pod for the IDP show. This is your host, Jake Colhagen, joined by the much more handsome and much more full dome haired, jealous guy. Here I am of him. That is a beautiful set of lettuce you got up there, sir. Appreciate Welcome, it. Welcome, Joey the Tooth. How are you, sir? I'm doing very good. And actually, uh, I'm also technically a Hagen as well. I'm Joseph Hagen. So we have the Cole Hagen and the Hagen. Jay Hagen's. This is this is great. I don't right. Gosh, I just I didn't think my day could get better, but somehow you always find a way to make it better, Joey. You are you are phenomenal, sir. You're a heck of a guy. <laughs> uh, well, with that, let's jump right into it. We got it. We got a full slate mostly here. I think we got a few buys. We got the Broncos, Lions, Jags, and Niners on by. So that still leaves us with 14 matchups to get through. Uh, Joey's got the away teams. I got the home teams. Let's jump into it. We got Titan Steelers. Thursday night. Take us away, Joey. All right. So I'm going to go with the Titans here. Uh, somebody I'm going to say, go ahead. And I have two starts. Uh, I'm going to say start Jack Gibbons. I know he's only been playing right around 70% snap share, but he's getting the job done. He's getting it done with efficient tackling. If you look at his last four games, he literally has 34 tackles at a 70% snap share. That's ridiculous. If you really think about it, that's almost, that's about 10 tackles a game. That's a little less than 10 tackles. Maybe probably eight tackles a game and at 70% snap. So he's, everybody's like Aziz Al-Shair, but he's kind of doing more of the things like he's running the defense. He's dropping in coverage. Gibbons is just kind of like your, your smash mouth volume tackle guy. So if you need a play this week, I honestly think the Steelers are going to try to go a little more run heavy, try to get the run game going because I mean, the Titans defense is okay. It's okay, but it's nothing to write home about. So I think the Steelers will finally try to get that run game going because it's just been atrocious. So Gibbons could see a nice, a nice like six, seven, eight tackle game again. Um, and then I'm also going to start Amani Hooker. I've always been a fan of Amani Hooker. So I mean, starting his career, he played a little more deep, and he was a he was a big playmaker. Like he was a, he he had plenty of interceptions to start his career. But just recently, last year and more so this year, he's been playing more in the box, even when Kevin Byard was there. So Kevin Byard's now gone. He got traded to Philly. 
Uh, Hooker still has this playmaking upside. And so far this year, 66.5% of his snaps has, have been in either the box or in the slot. So he's playing that spot right where you want to be. So with a linebacker group that's just, I'm going to say just decent, Hookers can probably have a very nice game this week. I mean, what linebacker wouldn't love playing behind Jeffrey Simmons? I mean, that's right. that's a big win right there too. Right. And, and something that I've always I've had this thought now for like the last year and a half, and I someday I'll dive into it and, and get more beyond just anecdotes. But I always feel like the weak side linebacker that LB two on teams always ends up finds finding ways to be more efficient in the vast majority of situations than your green dot. You know, your middle linebacker. I mean, obviously you got some things where talent is just elite and and these those middle linebackers green dots always outperform others on the team but i don't know it's just an anecdotal thing that pops into my mind you know i think i like jack sanborn last year with nick morrow and mm-hmm. um i don't know there's a couple other ones where i just it's like oh like this year just recently um david mayo and jamin davis right so i mean it, it's it's just like i said it, it's one of these things where it's a thought i, I have no actual hard evidence to, to support this theory but it's something i want to dive into someday. yeah so but hearing you talk about it definitely took me right down that thought path. So, uh, <laughs> but jumping to the other side, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so Minka Fitzpatrick uh, confirmed out. Uh, Keanu Neal had really strong utilization with Fitzpatrick out last week. I think that's something we can look forward to again this week here against the Titans. Um, you know, he had a 97% snap count, which is great in its own right. We always want that near 100% utilization. But 40.5% of his snaps came in the box last week. Um, the LB2 has been deployed uh, situationally at best, I feel, at this point between the Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander. Um, and they found w- their own ways to be efficient. But the, the, the missing snaps that they have, you're going to see people like Keanu Neal here step in and get that. And when you have the, the near 100% utilization on top of that, um, I think you got to like Keanu Neal in this matchup here to, for this week. Um, speaking of that other linebacker, Alandon Roberts. So <clears throat> I, I always like to call these out, you know, don't, to those people who do maybe not have the time and their box score hunting, don't get too excited about what we saw from Alandon Roberts last week. He had two pass rush attempts and converted both into sacks um, and did so on, you know, just barely passing 30 total snaps. And that's only the second week he's managed to do that so far this season. So uh, I don't feel great about his floor in terms of utilization and running him out there. I mean, sure, if somehow it's a very deep league and, and injuries are hitting hard or bye weeks and, and you really got to throw him out there, he, I mean, he clearly has some of that ability uh, to deliver for you still. But, I mean, in most leagues, standard leagues, you know, you're, you shouldn't be looking to plug in a Landon Roberts at this point. Yeah, I really like the Keanu Neal because uh, I think Demonte Kazee is going to be fully healthy again, and he's just 100% a deep safety guy. I don't think yep. he has to worry about swapping roles with him as all, at all. So I think Neal's going to play very close to the line of scrimmage. I'm, well, I think we're on the same page on that one, and I like that. All right, well, then we're going to head to Germany for our second matchup. Uh, getting overseas again, we got the Dolphins and Chiefs. 8.30 a.m. Central time reminder, so... West Coast folks, make sure you get your lineup set uh, Saturday night so you don't miss anything there. But what are we looking at in our lineups for this matchup between the Dolphins and the Chiefs? Um, I hate the matchup for the linebackers for the Dolphins, Jerome Baker and David Long. I uh, just number one, I don't see the volume in the run game. For, doesn't leave many options for for tackles. Uh, neither of them is going to cover Travis Kelsey because neither of them can. It's probably going to be somebody like Javon Holland coming down because Kelsey obviously is a mismatch no matter what. 
So with the, the low volume run game and it's bound to be a shootout, I don't think David Long probably comes off the field, honestly, if you ask me. And Jerome Baker's just he's too spotty and inefficient. So I'm gonna say sit both linebackers for the Dolphins. Um but what I am going to say is start Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he's literally played one game this season, and guess what? He has one interception. He had his interception in his first game back. Uh, I don't think you ever have to worry about him being eased back in. Jalen Ramsey, he's kind of a dog, right? He's that guy. He's just he's just, he's just, just a playmaker, man, and, and it's going to be a shoot. I mean, the Dolphins have one of the best, if not the best, offenses in the NFL. The Chiefs are going to be reeling a little bit, so they're going to be throwing the ball. They're going to have to play keep up with the Dolphins, and I think Ramsey's going to be a guy who's going to take a couple chances this week, and uh, there's a good chance if he doesn't come down with an interception, he's going to have a decent amount of tackles and maybe some passes defended. I love that. Um, I also love Mike McDaniels. I don't know. Speaking of Jalen Ramsey, yeah. I don't know if you heard the the press conference where they're like, how do you feel? Like, or What are your, your expectations You know, with him coming back and and he's like, I'm, I'm just really disappointed in Jalen Ramsey. He came back and he told me he was going to get a pick six. And, you know, what did he end up with? He got a pick field goal. That's all we got out of it. So, <laughs> pick 49 yards. <laughs> right, right. Mike, Mike McDaniel's quickly becoming one of my favorite uh, coaches. Oh, and I was so disappointed too. when he left San Francisco. I really That's right. was. That's Broke right. my heart. Because that Michael offense Ryan's. was losing that year. And Mike I was just McDaniels. like, man. Yeah, you're losing a lot of good coaching staff oh. over there. I mean, you get comp picks for it now, I think, or some yeah, sort of like. Yeah, well, I mean, we need them because we gave away all our picks for Trey Lance, who we got a fourth for. But now you got Chase Young. I know. You do have that. What do you think of that? I mean, the Niners are on by, so we can't talk about it. But what do you think? As an as a as the it's uh, resident Niners fan, you gotta you gotta tell me. It's absolutely fantastic. Number one, him and Bosa played together before, so there's there's already that cohesiveness on the defensive line. They literally gave up. I mean, they're going to be. It's going to be a late third, so it's virtually a freaking. So if you look at the pit, the the trade, both trades that the uh, Commanders got rid of, Sweat and Chase Young, mm-hmm. Sweat went for the Bears second, which is going to be an early second. Young went for the 49ers third, which is virtually an early fourth. So it's like the value is unbelievable in comparison. I actually think it's a compensatory third too. So oh. it's even it's it's past like the 96, right. right? You're you're talking maybe even outside the top 100 potentially. So, so it's like yes. <laughs> I mean it's there's like low risk, high reward. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm excited Chase Young, uh, you know, he he goes in a situation where he had a lot of talent around him. He's got a lot of talent around him now, but I think even more talent. He's got more top-end talent. He's got stronger talent behind him at the second level. Think like, about that pass rush real quick, all right? You have <laughs> Bosa, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, and Eric Armstead. Yeah, and you, and you can rotate in Javon Kinlaw, who a lot of people saw right. as a bust, but he's actually yeah. had one Randy of his Gregory, best seasons. Randy Gregory, yep. <laughs> well, hey, they, they need a little juice after the last three games. Oh, Sorry. Golly. And you know jab, what? Jab. It's, <laughs> everybody's keep trying. They keep like calling out Brock Purdy. It's like, listen, Purdy is literally the only one playing good in these games, right? Until the, <laughs> the very end when he has to try to force the game right. because they're behind. That's where all four of his picks came in the past two games with the fourth quarter late in the game. But other than that, like his, his passer rating is like 110, 120. <laughs> Their running game hasn't been anything. It's been trash. Trent Williams is out, so they have nothing going to the left side. With Trent Williams out, they literally cannot run to the left. So it's like, get Trent Williams back, get McCaffrey healthy, that offense will be fine. 
<laughs> all right, I got to reel it in. I got Joey all fired up on the Niners. Here we go. I'll, going back to our matchup, Dolphins, Chiefs, Germany. Uh, we got the Chiefs. Um, I want to talk about someone who I was very, very excited about all offseason, Trent McDuffie. Um, he really did take over the slot role for Legereus Sneed. Um, however, it's not a full-time role either, right? He's not sitting in there 90% of the time, 80% of the time. He's closer to about a 60% um, role right now. Um, but he's taken advantage of that and delivered a really great floor for us. Um, mm-hmm. Only one game under four total tackles for the entire season, averaging just about a five and a quarter a game in terms of those tackles. So um, the real thing, though, that is disappointing me overall is he's only had about, or I shouldn't say only, he's had 28 pass rush opportunities so far, and that's actually very respectable and good. He's generated six pressures. He's converted none of them into sacks to this point. Um, and I think that's really where we're missing some of that, like, could he be the luxurious Sneed replacement, mm-hmm. right? Like that's oh, yeah, where Sneed thrived. He made a lot of those big plays. Yeah. Um, and you're still seeing Sneed get a lot of defensive line alignment because they're finding ways to blitz Sneed still too, um, out of different looks I mean, and everything. So you do, right? I mean, that would be silly to waste that talent. Right. So um all that to say, I like Trent McDuffie. I think um he is a must start in cornerback required league still. Um, I think he's a he's a he's a locked and loaded player in that regard. Um, he still has some DB three viability, especially depending on scoring, because he has such a great tackle floor. So I, I like him in those regards. But I just want to say I'm, I am a little disappointed that we haven't been able to realize um, that maybe the ceiling potential that he, he might have had there if he could convert some of these pass rush opportunities into sacks. Yeah, I think it actually everybody is now kind of realizing it's like how good Sneed really was in that role. Mm-hmm. Like McDuffie hasn't been bad. I mean, obviously, I mean, he has six pressures, but Sneed was just so good at it. Right. It's, I mean, I don't remember the numbers, but he was converting at like some insane rate too in terms of those pass right? rushes to sack. So, um, yeah, it's hope, hopefully, maybe, maybe we, we do realize that with Trent McDuffie at some point yet this season, but for now, like I said, still sol- solid. solid, still solid. Uh, linebacker two for the Chiefs seems to have maybe shifted this last week a little bit. Uh, and what I got is Leo Chanel. He had 49 snaps to Willie Gay's 29. Um, this was Leo Chanel's first game of the year above 40 snaps, and he turned that into six tackles plus a sack. Um, you know, so not even really looking at anything on the pass rush upside. Um, I just think that Leo Chanel. I think he's locked in as the number two. I think they like having that alongside of Drew Tranquil. Willie Gay has made plays in his own right here, um, but I feel like that's a, he just makes like a, a pass deflection here or maybe he gets a sack once in a while. Um, but in terms of what he does on the NFL field the rest of the game, I feel like he's kind of a liability at points. Not necessarily a massive one, but enough that, you know, hey, we can we got this other guy, we got this other talent. Let's plug him in and see what we got. And and I think they like what they saw here this last week, uh, week eight. And I think we're gonna we should expect more Chanel at this point going forward. And with that, you know, that LB four range, um, three four, I think he's definitely someone we can be looking to plug into our lineups. Yeah, I love uh, I love Leo Chanel. He he just brings a whole different aspect to the Chiefs defense that Willie Gay can't bring. So Willie Gay's he's a low motor guy. Like I, I don't see him like red hot the entire time. He's he's taking plays off, and that's why I think the team has never really put full faith into him. Leo Chanel is like the complete opposite. That dude is like 100% motor 
and his pass rush upside is phenomenal. Like he could have been an outside linebacker for another team if he really wanted to. And so Drew Tranquil has proven with Nick Bolton being out to be a viable LB one on the team. Like he's he's pretty versatile. So to be able to bring in Chanel to be your LB two and then have that pass rushing upside, the blitzing upside, and kind of just give him that that freedom to actually pass rush as well as play a a, a, a run defense role. Chanel could actually have a decent outlook for the rest of the season. And that it, it could actually even transform that chief's defense a little bit. That de- that's a defense that's been good up to this point still too. It's not like they've, you know, had any major issues. Obviously last week against the Broncos was not their best showing, but I mean, any given Sunday. So I'm, I'm not like worried. Their about the issue chiefs. has been not creating big plays. I mean, that's been a good defense, sure. but it just hasn't really been like a takeaway defense. I feel like I could be even wrong. Cause I haven't looked at numbers in that, but I just feel like watching them. I don't really see them coming away with takeaways too often. I feel like that's a fair assessment. So, all right. Well, moving on, we go to the first of the noon games. We got the Vikings at the Falcons. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and say start. And I feel weird saying this because he was so bad to start the season, but start DJ Wanham. <laughs> I don't think DJ Wanham actually had a, a pass rush win until week six. <laughs> I think he had a 0% win rate up until week six, but Recently, like the past two games, he's been kind of on fire. So Marcus Davenport's been out. Uh, the last two games, he's had 11 tackles and three sacks, two of them coming in the last game. He has 13 pressures in the last three games. And the Falcons have given up the fourth most sacks in the league. And they're probably, I don't know if they're going to start Ritter, if they're going to start Taylor Haneke, but either way, the offensive line, as good as it actually is, has not been pass blocking well. So Wanham, I mean, there's going to be so much attention on Daniel Hunter. I mean, you have to. That Wanham's going to probably get some free run again one-on-one, and he could come away with another sack. So as bad as he was, he's been pretty good recently. And uh, another guy who uh, I wrote an article about as one of my deep, deep, deep defensive back (laughs) guys to roll with is Cameron Bynum. So Last year, everybody said, Lewisine, he's going to be the guy. This year, they said it again. Lewisine's coming back healthy. He's going to be the guy. Cameron Bynum's ADP was like DB170 when I wrote the article from the IDP show's uh, ADP. Like Nobody was drafting Cameron Bynum. And what has he done? He leads the team in tackles right now. He has 76 tackles in eight games. He also has six pass deflections and two interceptions. And it's a good matchup against the Falcons. I mean... They actually have been throwing the ball quite a bit, but they also run the ball a ton. And they're top 10 in points allowed to safety. So keep rolling out Cameron Bynum because he's going to keep racking up tackles. No, I, I love that. And it's like one of those things where when when you lose a key piece on the other side of the ball, like then the defense steps up, right? Or like they they get they kind of rally around that. Like, we don't have cousins, so now the defense needs to lead this team. And mm-hmm. um, like you look at like just the Jets, like the Jets had a, a top-end defense we knew coming into the year, but how they've managed to shut teams down entirely because right. um, they, I mean, no shade on Zach Wilson, maybe some because he's terrible. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> like well, I mean, they, shit, they've they done that. They have five wins. I don't think they've scored more than like 18 points in any of those games. <laughs> exactly right. So, you know, and the Vikings, the defense actually looks like it's trending in the right directions here lately. So, I, I, yeah, I love these starts, and I think I think we see a lot from them this week. Nice. Um, on the other side, we got the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Nate Landman, he is apparently the linebacker we want for the Falcons. You know, not the linebacker we knew, 
but the one that we want. Um, much better tackle efficiency. Seemingly just has the better overall upside too in terms of in terms of what he can deliver in the ceiling. And Ellis is is kind of just fading into the background. And I'm not saying he's fading out completely. He's still wearing the dot. He's still I'm pretty sure he's darn near close to 100% uh, snap counts every game. I think this last week he had a little bit a uh, little bit fewer fewer snaps played for whatever reason. But um, he's also just none of that pass rush upside that we saw um, right. last year. And you know I it's that, same that's coach, really so it's weird. Right, right. Ryan Nielsen coming over. Right. So, I mean, you look when Pete Warner went out last year in the Saints. Um, Ellis was on pace um, from that time, what he played there. He's on pace for 21 less pass rush opportunities this season while pacing out for 451 more snaps. And that, to me, just feels like a complete underutilization of his talents. Yeah, I mean, he graded out so well as a pass rusher, and now they're just just plugging him in there. But, you know, you you kind of alluded to this earlier in the conversation here. When those guys get wearing the green dot, the focus is, is everyone in the right spot? Is Does everyone know their role? Does everyone, you know, set and ready to go? Maybe you don't have the ability to focus on getting them into some of these pass rush opportunities, right? So maybe the green dot was a bit of a detriment overall. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of speculation on our part. But it, like I said, I mean, that's, that's a drastic shift from how Ryan Nielsen used him right. directly as his coach in New Orleans to now having him again. And he's just using them completely different. So, um, with that said, Ellis is still a viable LB four. You know, plug him in for buys or injuries. But Landman is the guy that we want. And if you, we've talked about him enough, I think, up to this point, that hopefully our listeners here, you guys are already on him, or you know, if you need to, maybe you go out and get him if he's still there and available. But um, yeah, sadly, I was a big Ellis guy. Probably why I want to talk about it one more time. Landman's the guy we want. Ellis is the one who he's there if we need him. So, and I think. I think uh, Trey Anderson going down really hurt Ellis's outlook because I think it mm-hmm. put more focus on him actually like being the green dot. Mm-hmm. I think Anderson his coverage was his coverage ability was fantastic, so it was kind of put Ellis in a position to be what he was last year. And then once Anderson was gone, I mean Landon by no Landman by no means is great in coverage, mm-hmm. so it kind of like it takes Ellis out of his comfort zone. Uh, then I got Richie Grant. Um, hope hopefully he's not a forgotten safety, but I definitely feel like Jesse Bates obviously uh, had the offseason buzz with the big contract, one of the highest paid safeties. I think maybe the highest paid safety this last offseason in the NFL. Uh, and then he made a bunch of splash plays early on Jesse Bates. I think he had like three picks in the first three weeks. Um, and yeah, and, and Richie Grant just quietly plugging along, delivering 6.4 tackles a game. Um, and you know, and then he started to add in a couple of plays. And he had he had a big splash play last two weeks ago with an interception, uh, getting more involved in the passing game, a few pass breakups as well. So, um, and, and a respectable forty nine point nine percent of his snaps coming in that sweet spot. You know, you talked about box uh, slot, and then we throw in the defensive line alignment. You know, if you're lining up that close to the ball, that's a, that's a bonus for IDP. That's that's where we're going to make our hay. Um, and he's doing it literally one out of every two snaps. He's in one of those spots. So. Um, Let's not forget about Richie Grant. Still very viable for us. Um, you know, again, uh, I, th- I think last year he was one of the top DBs in IDP, and um, people can be fickle in terms of you know what's the what have you done for me lately. So um, he's 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 quietly delivering, and, and I, the big plays will eventually come along just due to variance. So don't forget about our friend Richie Grant. All right, moving on, we got the Cardinals at the Browns. All right, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say this week, take a shot with Victor Demukaje. 
Tamuka Jay, he's kind of been the one everybody was talking about. It was Majai Sanders is going to be the big pass rush guy for the uh, the Cardinals this offseason. He's no longer on the team. I said it was going to be Cameron Thomas because Cameron Thomas actually played better than Majai Sanders last year, and Cameron Thomas has kind of just disappeared. Victor Tamuka Jay, who's been on the team this whole time, has stepped up, and he almost looks like the best pass rusher on the team. I mean, he's already set a career high in tackles with 17, sacks with four, and pressures with 18. Uh, the Browns given up the ninth most sacks in the NFL with 23. They just gave up 11 tackles, two for a loss, and two sacks to Boye Mafe and Daryl Taylor. So obviously coming off the edge is a weak spot for the Browns offensive line. So I think this is a good week to, uh, to fire up to Mooka Jay. Um, also Kaiser White, this is a, like a, a, a premier matchup for Kaiser White. The Browns have given up the most points to linebackers. Um, he's played 100% of the snaps in the season, and he, he's not going to come off the field. I mean, they don't have another linebacker to step in. I mean, Josh Woods is there, but he's not. So Kaiser White, he's going to be the guy. 100% snap share, great matchup. He's a guy throwing your lineup. So I, I got I got a comment on that. So for the for the Josh Woods portion up portion of that, mm-hmm. right? And I'm t- I'm totally with you, right? Like he, he's on the field, but is he really? Yeah. Um, what do you think about Owen Popo? Like, I mean, they're clearly the season for the Cardinals is not going in the right direction. Do oh, we see man. Owen Popo soon? Is, I, I mean, would love to. I would love. To. I think he's got far more upside than Josh Woods. I mean, he's got leadership from his years in Auburn. I mean, he's he's got speed. He's he's lacks a little bit in the power, but I mean, what what is he not going to do that Josh Woods does for you? You know what I mean? Josh Woods has never been a guy who's like, oh, you know, he's great at this. He's just no offense, Josh Woods. I'm sorry if you if you ever listen, but you're kind he's kind of just a guy, you know. So I, I would say at this point. I mean, you're probably starting Clayton Tooney this week if you don't start Kyler. So just try out Popo. Why not? If he's not going to be an every down linebacker anyway, just throw him in there. See what he can do in a, in a handful of snaps. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be the amazing fourth-year breakout on his third team for Josh Woods all of right. a sudden. So, <laughs> yeah, see see what you got with Owen Popo. He recovered the onside kick. Uh, against oh. the the Ravens last oh. week, so I mean he's already Keep got that special teams. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, I just had to call it out because yeah, I find that funny, and, and I thought Owen Popo was someone who I thought would really get a chance this year. I so did maybe, too. Maybe, maybe we'll still see that yet, though. Stash for for your dynasty rosters, mm-hmm. folks, if he's out there. Um, all right, on the Brown side, and we're back to the Cleveland linebacker situation. Um, we thought maybe. We had something going on with uh, Anthony Walker getting 71 of the 72 snaps last week, but it truly was just the absence of Sione Takitaki as Walker was back down to 42 of 57 snaps for a disappointing 73.6% snap utilization. So if you're in a pinch this week and you need Anthony Walker to, to plug into your lineup, again, you know I'm probably looking at that LB4, LB5 range, can definitely do something for you. Um, Probably, probably won't goose you or goose bag you, as my good friend Kyle Bellafield would say. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just I'm staying away from this linebacker room again. They they started to trick me last week, but I <laughs> I learned my lesson. Um, but I, you know what? That defensive front they got's very good, and we like a lot there. Um, and specifically, Zadarius Smith, uh, he just continues to produce pressures, hurries, and quarterback hits. <laughs> 
He's just only converted one sack. And I know that's what we all want. That's why we're listening to this. You want us to tell you who's going to get a sack this week because we want. We want that sweet stack stack. Sack stack. So we get your tackle, your tackle for loss, your quarterback hit, right? Everyone's just craving those points. Um, Zadarius Smith, I, I just I like this matchup for him. I really think, especially if Toon's back there, I absolutely love this matchup for Zadarius Smith. I think he's someone you fire up in your lineup where you, with confidence that you're expecting to get a sack. Um, I just, gosh, what a, what a what a disappointment in terms of his, his conversion rate. So I, I think a little bit of positive regression is in line for him. Um, but yeah, and then shout out to obviously the rest of the line. There, Miles Garrett is Miles Garrett, but like Agbo Agronquo, Agronquo. I'm probably yeah. saying that wrong, but he's had a really good year, and in terms of a rotation piece too. So this front's been great. I just, I think this is the week that Darius Smith gets to shine in the limelight a little bit. I mean, I think the reason he hasn't converted so much is because unfortunately he plays with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's just always there first. <laughs> he's this so good. And if you're not immediately converting that pressure into a thing, into a right. sack, right, and, and that quarterback moves anywhere else, Miles Garrett's like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, moving on. We got the Rams at the Packers. All right, uh, Christian Roseboom. I mean, he's 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 been decent. I mean, he has he's he's kind of like a a Jack Gibbons type of guy. He's not going to get you any playmaking stats, but he'll give you a handful of tackles each week. But don't start on this week. He's literally only played 58% snaps in the season. It's just not enough volume. Packers are bottom five in points allowed to linebackers. And I mean, outside of Ernest Jones, I mean, there's nothing really on this defense that has me too excited right now. Um, which leads me to who I was in love with to start the season, rookie Byron Young. He started off so solid and he's still a great stash. If you have him on your team, don't ever think about dropping if you're in a dynasty league, but this week, keep him on your bench. Uh, the Packers are tied with the 49ers for the fewest sacks allowed in the league. And uh, Young's production has dipped a little bit recently. I think mainly just because there's not much on the team that's getting pressure. I mean, every other week, it seems like that's a guy so that you don't have one person converting pressure. So, uh, sit Christian Roseboom, sit Byron Young. There's really not much to love about this matchup on the Rams defense against the Packers this weekend. Yeah, right. I mean, you're you're obviously keeping your Ernest Jones and your Aaron Donalds in there because mm-hmm. of their volume and talent. But right. right, I mean, outside of that, I mean, yeah, what you're looking at is a, a big pile of yuck soup and yep. you know, no thank you. So yuck soup, I like that. <laughs> uh for the Packers themselves, uh Devondre Campbell really bounced back in a big way this yeah. last week 14 combined tackles um and you know maybe this is an easy one for most of most of us out there listening and, and talking about this stuff we we know what devondre campbell is we just needed him to be healthy well if anything then this is just a shout out to, c- to continued health for devondre campbell because um this is someone that you need to be excited to fire up in your lineups again hopefully you held on to him or had a place to stash him um and and can do so but Yes, you know, maybe his floor is lowered ever so slightly because Quay Walker is the green dot. He's taken 100%. You know, maybe Devondre kind of floats more to that 85% uh, snap count uh, in the end, but he's just shown us he can be so beautifully efficient with that that you have, there should be no hesitation to be plugging him into your lineups when he is healthy. Yep. Um, then Rasul Douglas traded away from the Packers uh, to the Bills. to me. Surprise! I thought so too. That was, I thought that was a talent that they would be looking to build around with on their team. So, 
Um, you know, but that said, that leaves Carrington Valentine uh, to likely step up as the other full-time outside starting corner. So this is rookie Carrington Valentine um, against the Rams offense that has always been really good about game planning and attacking specific areas of the, the their opposed or their opponent. Now, when I initially put this together, I was thinking they'd have Matthew Stafford. Um, he was he was listed as day to day, but I've been seeing a lot of feedback um, on the the fantasy uh, docs Twitter space, right? In, in terms of that, where there's a lot of people talking about this type of sprain in, in their throwing hand for his uh, UCL or thumb or whatever, some blah 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 joint tendon. I forget what it is, but basically the 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 belief is is there's really no way he can have the strength to be throwing still at this point um for this week so if that's the case you're talking brett ripon and at that point i don't look that i don't think i'd be looking to start carrington valentine even in cornerback required leagues but if matthew stafford's out there i could definitely see them attacking him so you know if that's said if if all my fantasy doctor friends are incorrect uh, and we see stafford out there i like carrington valentine and cornerback required leagues as someone you can you know do as a plug-in or stream this week um if it's brett ripon I'm passing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. Moving on to the recently depleted uh, Washington Commanders and New England Patriots. I would like to say start like Casey Tuhill or something like that, but I'm actually going to stay away from the edge defenders. Like I don't even honestly want to touch them too much right now. The Patriots offensive line has been pretty decent as of late, so I don't really think there's enough talent to me to – make me say maybe in a bad matchup, maybe if the commanders were playing themselves because they have a terrible offensive line, I'd say start two hill, but he's, he's by far just kind of like a, a deep sleeper for me for the rest of the season. He, he's a, he's a good matchup guy, but uh, I will say um, start Benjamin St. Juice day. He's just what you need. He uh, he's got 18 tackles, nine passes defended and an interception his last four games. He's the primary slot corner, and the Patriots play a lot of two tight end personnel, and they throw a lot of underneath routes. So St. Juice is probably going to be incredibly busy this week. And unfortunately, I thought this was with, uh, with um, gosh, I'm blanking. Jesus. Uh, Cody Barton? Yes, with Cody Barton. Thank you. Going now, I thought Jamin Davis was going to just pick it up, but he hasn't. He has 11 tackles over his last two games and only five of those being solo tackles. David Mayo has come in in those two games and he has 20 tackles. Uh, the Patriots also rank in the bottom five in points allowed to linebackers. So this is just a week. It seems like Davis has too much on his plate and he's not making that production. Plus it's a bad matchup. So you want to sit Davis as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it, what's really disappointing is I did I did some research on Davis this offseason. He was someone I, I wrote a lot about where he actually, when stepping into uh, the green dot role with Cole Holcomb going out the previous season, he actually saw his numbers increase and his, right. his efficiency increase. So you really hope for that this year, right? Well, Cody, uh, he didn't get that role this year, whether that's offseason, on-field, whatever the combination of it is. He got thrust back into the, this role, thought, okay, here it is now, right? And he really hasn't the efficiency. No. If anything, I think it's actually gotten a little worse. So right. it's it's a little bit concerning overall. Um, but I, I like those call-outs. You absolutely blew my mind that St. Juice had nine pat. When you when I saw that, I thought it was going to say for the season. Now I could not games. believe he's gotten the last four games. That that is on fire, dude. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you aren't plugging this guy into your lineups. Right. All right. Well, jumping over to the Patriots side, uh, Keon White. 
he seems to have won the starting spot over Dietrich Wise at this point. Um, and with that said, um, he's he saw on a very full complement of snaps, um, 62 out of 77 this last week for 80%. If I can get a defensive end at 80% snap count, I'm very excited about that utilization. I'm not very excited when I only see two pressures and three tackles. That's a little disappointing. Uh, the, the tackle floor is decent, actually, for edge, but the the, the lack of pressures is kind of where I'm just a, a little bit concerned overall. Um, but he still has a 15.4% win rate in those pass rush sets. So he is he is making his hay to say um, in his one-on-one matchup in, in his, with the offensive lineman. He's just not finding ways to get home quick enough yet. So, and as a rookie, um, I can I can live with that for a little bit right now. So, um, he's shown us that he can win with speed on the edge too at times. Um, he's probably just something where he needs to build out his repertoire a little bit more um, to be able to compete against NFL level talent. Um, but getting these level of snaps, this is invaluable, and I think he can be a worthwhile you know DL three or four in a pinch this week. Um, and if he's going to continue to see these snaps. I think you could see an exponential growth in terms of his ability on the field, and he can quickly make himself a very relevant week-to-week player for us um, as an edge rusher uh, for IDP purposes. Uh, behind him, we got Jahan, Jahan, Jawan Bentley. I got Jahan Dotson on the mind, man. He finally finally had a catch, oh, finally had some work instead of zeros Ooh. and goose bags all over my box scores. Killing uh, me all season. Right? So, but so Jawan Bentley... Um, he left the game early last week with a hamstring injury. Mac Wilson was the next man up immediately, um, stepped in. Uh, Bentley was playing near 100% snaps, um, and Bentley has shown that he can be a very viable you know, LB2-3 for us with, <coughs> with the tackle floor he's been able to produce so far. Um, so for this week, we really need to keep an eye out on that injury report and see what we have and, and see, uh, especially for hamstrings. Those can tend to linger, and we can see players miss you know, a good week or two from that. So Mac Wilson is the person we want to want to keep an eye on, and I just pulled it up here real quick. Yeah, Bentley was a limited participant here. First, uh, first listed practice notes for Wednesday, so probably going to trend towards playing, but just keep an eye on that because if Bentley's out, Mac Wilson is the guy we want to plug in there. Yeah, I love Keon the Keon White call. I mean, he's literally he's very green at the position. I mean, in college he went went from what tight end to edge defender to interior defender. So it's like in three years. So it's like he's still very green in the NFL at the position. So if he's already progressing to taking a role from a veteran like Dietrich Wise, I mean that that shows a lot of potential for the guy. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Yep. No, and that's such a good call out. I forgot about the the positional moves for him like that. Cause when I watched film on him this offseason for the draft stuff, right? Like he could win with speed, clearly. I he's mean, there's no one no one questioned that. He's a big guy. Right. <laughs> so it's just can can he can he develop into more of an NFL or a full NFL pass rusher? And I mm-hmm. think this is the perfect path for that. All right. Next up, we got the Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. All right. I'm going to go to the interior of the defensive line right now for the Bears. Uh, Justin Jones, uh, especially in DT required leagues. Uh, over the last three games, he's got 14 tackles and a sack. Uh, he has shown more pass rush. Pass rush upside, and in previous weeks, uh, week five, he had seven pressures. Uh, the Saints have allowed 21 sacks, which is tied for 11 most in the league. And uh, Jones has been on the field quite a bit for the Bears. Uh, he's got a 68% snap share. So, if I mean, from a defensive tackle, you have volume, you have pass rush upside in a good matchup. It's kind of a no-brainer to start him here. Um, and then uh, on the outside, I'm going to say start – 
cornerback rookie Tyreek Stevenson. Uh, over the last four games, he's got 31 tackles and five passes defended, uh, 97.75% snap share. So he's a starting corner, and he's pretty much an every-down player. And the Saints have attempted the six most pass attempts in the NFL so far. So Stevenson's another guy. He, as a rookie, he's getting targeted a lot. So And he's he's though he's not making as many plays, he's coming down with a lot of solo tackles. So fire him up this week. All right, for the Saints – uh, for for those looking at the box scores last week, we were like, who's who's Jordan Howden? Well, he got the start with Marcus May coming down with a little bit of an illness. Uh, May missed the week. Uh, Jordan Howden stepped in, piled up nine tackles. Looked like a you know a solid solid step in and a solid potential play. Um, the the one thing that made me a little curious for this week was it was listed as hamstring and illness for May last week. Um, so coming into this week, we really want to see what the injury reports say. First Wednesday is usually the first day for the Sunday games. We get that notification. Um, just an illness was all he was listed for, not even listed for a hamstring anymore, and he was a full participant. So so Jordan Howden, great fill-in. You know, if you if you really got those deep benches and you and you want to stash him as, as a handcuff, if that's what you're looking for there or or however you want to play it, that's possible. But it's it's Marcus May this week going forward. Um, and so thank you, Jordan Howden, for a wonderful week eight. Uh on the, in the defensive interior, we got Brian Brissy, uh, someone who I, I loved uh, coming out of the draft class this last year. Uh, guy looked like a hot knife going through butter, man. Sometimes in some of those some of those reps that I was watching on film, and I was really excited for what he might be able to do with this defense. You know, you got Cam Jordan, um, Carl Granderson, and I was just like, I was like, okay, okay, they're gonna do something here with this, and you know, he's got nine point two nine point two eight percent pass rush pressure rate this season. Not bad, also not great, but again, rookie, so we'll give him something there. But I was just kind of hoping for a little bit more, and he's got an 8.7% win rate as well. He's been able to produce two sacks, uh, I mean, eight, and eight tackles. So for for now, I, I don't think, you know, you're not starting this guy unless it's in the deepest of deep leagues, right? So, I mean, I got a I got a 32-teamer, start 22. You know, that that's about where I'm looking at starting Brian Brissy right now. We're, we're starting two defensive tackles. Um but you know, outside of that, um, you can definitely stream better options. I think for for right now, um, and and lastly, I, I love Carl Granderson. He's had a, a beautiful year too. So I just wanted to call that out. Hopefully, yep. you all noticed Sir Carl Granderson. I just traded for Carl Granderson this week. That's how oh, pumped man. I am about him. It, it's very validating. I, I I loved him at the end of last season, and I wrote so many articles about him breaking out this year, winning that role, and he has, and it's just been like, ah, oh, it's validation. But Breezy. <laughs> I love seeing Breezy actually play, and he's played pretty yes. decent because he had so much injury problems in college, and he's just he was such a high-rated recruit. To actually see him play well at times, I think it depending on which direction the Saints' season goes, Breezy might get more more snaps in. I think he's only playing like 40, 40%, 41% snaps. Yep. And, uh, I mean, guys like, what is it, like Nathan Shepard? Like, you know, if, you're, if your season's in flux or it's going down the tubes – don't start a guy like Nathan Shepard over Breezy. Give him the time. Let's let's give him the snaps. Let's let him develop over over the end of the season. So if the Saints start to tail off, which that doesn't look like they're going to make too much of a move this year, you might see Breezy get a little more playing time. Yep. Nope. I think it's I think it's a beautiful call out. And and I and I would be remiss if I didn't put you on the spot to say you talked about the Bears. How do you stand on Montez Sweat gut reaction this week? Here, are are you willing to plug him in this week and uh? On a short week, just coming over to a team, new team. 
I would, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, even if he gets a limited snap share, it's against the Saints. I mean, their their offensive line hasn't been great in pass protection. So if, even if he plays 30 40%, it's still Montez Sweet, and, Montez Sweet, and there's nothing else on that team for pass rush. So they're probably going to play him as much as they possibly can because they need it. Well, and like you said, when you gave up a, a near – you know, late first round type level pick for him. Right. You better start getting the value out of him. And, and I think it was a Josh shared in, in the chat today, right? The, the the tweet where they're like, hey, you know, are you talking, re- you're resigning or getting that contract extension oh, in? And, and Sweat's like, uh, I'm just, I'm going to weigh all my options here. Like, and it's like, I'm going to see how this goes. <laughs> we'll like, make him sweat it out now. Make him sweat it out. Sweat it I, I see what this guy did here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. From one good pun to the Seahawks and Ravens, who do you got for the Seattle side? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna bring it back, turn the clock back a little bit and say start Jamal Adams. Uh, he's got an 89.67% snap share over the last three games. Uh, during that span, he's got 18 tackles, two for a loss, two passes defended. Uh, kind of looked like his old self a little bit in week eight. He had eight tackles, one for a loss. 77% of his snaps had been in the box of the slot. Uh, he's got a great matchup. He's going to be following around Lamar Jackson all game. So the fact that they come underneath, they throw to Mark Andrews all the time. They have Lamar Jackson with his rushing upside. This could be a huge game for Jamal Adams. And I'm also going to continue as long as he's healthy, because I did see he came up as questionable this week. But if he if he plays, continue to unleash Boye Mafe. He's got a sack in five straight games that he's played. Uh, he had 18 tackles and... 22 pressures during that span. He had eight tackles in week eight. Um, his 76.9 run defense grade should keep him on the field against a team like the Ravens with with Lamar Jackson. So his pressure rate and his run defense grade should keep him on the field, and he could have a productive game. Nice. Yeah, Boye Mafia's had a nice nice little yeah. push here in the in the middle of the season, and I I like I like the trajectory he's moving in, that, and that's. Couldn't come at a better time losing Nucheno Nuwusu as well. So mm-hmm. on the Ravens side, Kyle Hamilton. Um, we saw a nice, nice shift in his alignments here. Um, saw his best box alignment uh, over the last three games, as well as his best slot alignment uh, over the last five games. Um, so right, you know, in in that span, we're seeing those numbers being uh, increasing appropriately. Um, where <coughs> we want to see our defensive backs lining up. So maybe this is greater confidence in Geno Stone as he, as he's getting more playing time and more uh, more comfortable playing alongside these, these teammates here. But with that increased utilization, um, we saw one of his best tackle performances to date as well last week. Nine solos, one assist for Kyle Hamilton. Now, I don't think that this is the expectation, 10 tackles going forward either. Um, but just if we can continue to see the, the appropriate utilization for him closer to the line of scrimmage, we can feel much more confident about how he is, how his performance will be for us overall, especially his tackle floor. The one thing I do have a little concern about: Seahawks do obviously pay at a, play at a slower rate of play. Uh, they have one of the lowest total plays per game at fifty nine point seven, and that's been pretty consistent over the last three form. I think they're sixty point seven. So just he's got Hamilton's going to have to be efficient with the snaps because they're going to have limited opportunities overall. So um, great trend for Hamilton overall but maybe lower expectations for him this week when setting your lineups and plan for that accordingly. 
Uh, the other guy I want to talk about is Jadevian Clowney, former number one overall pick, Jadevian Clowney. Uh, a 14.1% pass rush pressure rate, uh, as along with a 22.8% win rate uh, in those pass rush sets. Um, and that's some of the best numbers he's put up in his career so far, which is, is kind of nice to see for him. And it's it's a little bit of an inverse of what we always kind of knew Clowney as, right? So um, four sacks. But based on the amount of pressures and and how he's winning his battles um, right now or his win rate, we would expect to see him actually closer to about five and a half sacks. So again, a little bit of positive regression potentially in his future for that. Um, but his tackle floor is actually one of his worst paces of, of the year. So um, he's pacing out for 29 tackles on the season. Um, and this is a guy who's normally been a very stout uh, run defender, setting the edge well. And so I don't know if this is... The Ravens reutilizing him in a certain way. If this is just, you know, he's got that old man strength now, and he can just win matchups <laughs> that way. I mean, I I don't know what it is, but kind of kind of flip the script on how his career has been up to this date. A really good tackle, floor run defender, uh, but now this year he's looking like a really good pass rusher um, with improved pass rush metrics and numbers overall. So, um, in a matchup against the Seahawks, who have one of the worst pressure rates allowed. Um, and Geno Smith is not exactly great in terms of escapability. He can definitely manipulate the pocket, but he's not hes not some elite level either. I, I like this matchup for Clowney, and I think he's someone we can put in our confidence, put in our lineups with a lot of confidence this week. Yeah, I like it. All right. Moving on to, I believe, our final noon game of the week. We got the Buccaneers at my Houston Texans. Let's see uh ryan neal has been on fire recently uh over the past two games he has 23 tackles and it hasn't really been because of his usage he's actually been played a bit of a mixed bag on the season he's played 40.45 percent of his snaps deep and then 50 percent in the sweet spot so he's got that about 10 percent out there playing outside corner which is random but uh, he's been all over the field um the Texans have had some trouble moving the ball on the ground. Damian Pierce has not looked anywhere close to what he was last season. Singletary hasn't really been that much better. So another aerial attack from the Texans is likely in store, which which bodes well for Neal's uh, overall output. Um, and I'm also going to say sit Joe Tryon Shoyinka. He's been a bit of a disappointment. I, I really had high hopes for him, but his pressure rate's just it's abysmal. He's only averaging two pressures per game. Uh, he has only one week where he has over 65.1 pass rush grade all season. And the Texans have allowed the third fewest sacks on the season. So that Texans off or offensive line has looked great. Uh, CJ Stroud has looked fantastic. I'm happy for you, Jake, because the Texans future just may be bright. Well, when you're able to poach one of the elite uh, coaching minds in D'Amico Ryan's from a from a solid San Francisco organization, you know that, that makes that makes a big difference. But yeah, yeah, and and you know the crazy thing is, they talked about manipulating the pocket. Stroud does a really nice job of that yeah. moving in the pocket. You're like he's not this, you know, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, this elite escapability. Jalen Hurts, he just knows how to work in the pocket because the Texans were allowing uh, just a crap ton of pressures. Right, um, they just weren't converting them at, into sacks at a high rate. Because of Stroud's ability as a rookie, which is crazy. So, anyways, I digress. I'm, I'm about to go on a, a, a Joey soapbox here uh, <laughs> for, for the Texans. So, I'm going to look at the Texans on the defensive side. Uh, Blake Cashman, uh, I think we all appreciated and expected his continued performance when Perryman was out. Like, there was no question 
or really concerned that that was going to happen. But now when we had a full complimentary or fully healthy uh, set of linebackers to complement each other in Cashman, Henry Toto, um, and Denzel Perryman, and I guess Christian Harris, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, oh, this, I was pretty confident that this was Cashman and Perryman, right? With Perryman likely leading the way. It was Blake Cashman leading the way. And when you got a, a fully set of healthy guys and that's how you want to roll it out there, I, I'm going to follow what the coaches are telling us with their actions on the field. And that's, that's Blake Cashman is the lead guy at this point. Now, Perryman and To'o To'o still split snaps um, pretty, pretty cleanly. It was about 55, 45. And I, I still, I still like Perryman to, to win over that role more than, than To'o To'o in the long run. But for now, you, you got to like what you saw with Blake Cashman and that that's coming out of a bye week too. So, I mean, they mm-hmm. had time to prep and they knew what they wanted to do. So Blake Cashman, if, if somehow he's out there still, uh, players haven't figured that out. That's another one, right? Get him into your lineups, get him onto your team. Cause you got, you got a startable asset there every single week. Cause D'Amico Ryan's just like he did with the linebackers in San Francisco. He's installed that here zone, heavy, very viable, very tackle friendly. So, Hopefully we can just get a really clear picture of who LB2 is um, between Denzel Perryman and Henry To'o To'o for, um, for the future of the Houston Texans defense this year. Um, Jonathan Grenard went absolutely ham last week. Seven pressures, converted into three sacks, um, added three tackles for good measure because, I mean, why not? Um, and he's put together a really respectable season, 19.1% win rate overall in pass rush sets, 11% pass rush pressure rate, you know, for, for how much he's converted, you would expect to see that maybe a little bit higher, um, but still a good respectable number there. Um, but even with the you know slightly above average analytics, um, this is still a below average matchup overall with a Bucks team that hasn't really allowed a ton of pressures. Um, you know, and I don't know if that's because of game plan scheming. Mayfield does have some um, escapability in the pocket a little bit. I know he showed some some flashes last week against the Bills, but I, I just overall I. I'm fading Grenard a bit to the point where I'd be looking at him more as a DL3. Um, I still think you can find reasons to get him into your lineup. Uh, but, you know, if you got to put him as that DL2, I would definitely have, again, lowered expectations based on uh, what I think is his ceiling is this week. Yeah, uh, a couple things with both of these guys, actually. So I think uh, Cashman fits. I mean, he's like D'Amico Ryan's poor man's Fred Warner, right? So Cashman, even coming out of college, coming out of Minnesota, he was he was very good in coverage. He can move well in the middle of the field. So he's he, he can command the field. He can play coverage. He can tackle well. So he, he's literally D'Amico Ryan's poor man's Fred Warner. And if you look at everybody else on that team, none of those linebackers can cover. Not a single one of them. So that's why I think D'Amico Ryan's likes Cashman so much because he can cover. So he's got his, his guy who he can kind of throw in the middle and drop back if he needs to because yeah. that's what he did with Fred Warner. But um, Jonathan Greenard... I've always been kind of a guy who I've not really been a fan because like you said, his pressure rate for his career is generally low. He just said his conversion rate is unbelievable. And mm-hmm. there was a couple of years. It was, I think it was two years ago when he had like 10 sacks, his conversion rate was like, I think it was somewhere like 27 or 30% of his pressures. It was an unbelievable conversion rate. And like, it was, I was like, it can't go on like that. And then the next year he only had like four sacks. And then this season, I mean, you can see it's spotty. He had, it was like week one, week four and week eight were all huge weeks. And the rest of them were kind of just like, Neh. 
So it's like he's 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 a low low pressure guy, but a high conversion guy. So he's going to give you it's going to be spotty here or there, right? No, I, I think that's great. I, I love the I love the comp with Warner and Cashman. Uh, it just always reminds me Cashman was like always this guy I took in Madden like fantasy drafts because I just loved his speed and his coverage skills in yeah. the middle, right? Because I mean that's what you need in Madden. But like regardless, I think that nails exactly what you're looking at there and what he likes because yeah. Perryman and Toto aren't following, you know, uh, an athletic tight end up the seam. I mean, that's just, I mean, they will. Right. I mean, they'll be three yards behind them. But <laughs> Throwing their hands up like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. All right. Moving into our afternoon games. The first on, we got the Colts at the Panthers. All right. I am finally getting excited about Shaq Leonard again. I've been, I've been his biggest fan for since his rookie season. I love the guy. I think his, his he's unbelievable as a player. He can do absolutely everything, and he finally looked like a little bit of himself last game. Uh, he played his highest snap share since week one, 83% of snaps, uh, resulted in 11 tackles, and he didn't miss a single tackle. And he hasn't missed a single tackle over the past two games. And his missed tackle rate on the season is only 6.3%. So he's starting to look healthy, which mean, and which means his playmaking upside is hopefully right around the corner. And he's taken on a rookie quarterback. Maybe he can bait him. Who knows? But I'm hoping to see Shaq Leonard keep up at least this 80 to 90% snap share and start adding that playmaking that we've just been waiting for him to have. So fingers crossed, but I'm saying fire up Shaq Leonard again. Just keep him. Hopefully he stays healthy. Uh, I'm also saying uh, start Samson Ebucam. I have him actually written up in my uh, weekly Football Guys article this week, which drops tomorrow. Uh, Ebucam, he's got 26 tackles, four sacks in the season, two forced fumbles. Uh, he currently holds a career-high pass rushing grade at 68.6. Uh, the Panthers have allowed the fifth, fifth most sacks in the season with 26, and uh, they just allowed six sacks last week to the Texans. So... The offensive line looks a little beat up re- recently. So Ebucam, Quidipay, uh, DeForest Buckner, even Dio Odenigbo, that team is just—it's kind of loaded with low-key pass rushers. So I think uh, Ebucam's kind of a—he's a nice low-key DL three start this week. I mean, shoot, if if, if Jonathan Grinnard can get uh, three sacks, right? I mean, why can't Ebucam get one, right? So right, exactly. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, on the Panthers side, no, Xavier Woods back in the lineup, fully healthy. Um, absent was Von Bell, so we got Sam Franklin Jr. still running back there with with Xavier Woods this last week. So keep an eye on on Von Bell's health this week and see where we're at with that. But Xavier Woods clearly back, hundred percent snaps. Um, managed to rack up eight solo tackles. Um, <clears throat> very impressive overall there. I just feel like I never see a safety um, unless they're playing in the slot as a slot defender primarily just piling up a bunch of solo tackles so uh, but yeah I mean you know Xavier Woods this is basically kind of who he's been and what we expect for him he's a guy who's got a decent tackle floor he'll always play a ton of snaps he'll get he'll roll down into some of the sweet spot at a at a lower than desired clip but um, you know he's he's a safety three DB three for us so and, and you can expect more of that as we move forward Um just throwing it out there because it's a name we, we used to love in the IDP circles. There was a Deion Jones sighting, um, but nothing worthwhile, right? So I don't think there's anything for us to read into this, any any trajectory of him growing this role and, and returning to any former glory. Um, so just uh, 
just for those out there that might have caught the glimpse of that and, and started to get some of that hope in your eyes, I will squash that very quickly for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then moving on to Derek Brown. Uh, for me, this is really quickly turned into the Derek Brown tackle watch. Um, he added another five combined tackles. Technically a down performance for him, actually, um, how he's paced out this year so far. Um, you know, and and he's just not delivering the pass rush upside um, for me to be excited about him. Like, hey, this is a this is a DL two or three for us, right? I mean, he's clearly for me. You know, if the scoring's right, he's a he's a fringe DT one um, in those DT required leagues. Um, and if we could get get a little bit more of the pass rush upside, you know, um, I think he's pacing out around eight or nine percent with his pressure rate and his pass rush win rate. So just very meh numbers. Um, but I, I just I want to see this dude get to 90 tackles. I, I love what he does in the run game, and I love what he does there. So um, he's on pace for it. So, yeah, just fire up your Derek Brown tackle watch counters because <laughs> we're, we're on here halfway through the season. Yeah, he's Christian Wilkins without the pass rush upside. That, that's I mean, that's a perfect comp, and that's and that's where I'd love to see him get to, you know, even a Christian Wilkins light, right? Um, right. But alas, we will have to maybe wait at least one more week. Uh, all right. Next afternoon matchup, we got the Giants at the Raiders. All right. Uh, a guy that deserves a lot of credit for winning the job this year, Jason Pennock. Uh, I'm going to say actually sit him this week, unfortunately. Uh, the Raiders are in the bottom five in points allowed to safeties. Um, Pennock, unfortunately, has only eclipsed four tackles just once over the last five games. And, uh, as much as you thought he might be, because his name pops up a lot, he really hasn't provided much playmaking upside. I, I really like Jason Pinnock, but um, I'm sitting him this week. And as I'm reading my notes here, in all caps, start Dexter Lawrence. The dude has been an absolute beast. He has nine tackles, three stacks, and an unbelievable 23 pressures over the last two games. 23 pressures in the last two games. He had 15 pressures last game. That's unbelievable from an interior defender. Uh, the Raiders have allowed the 10th most sacks with 22. Dexter Lawrence has a 92.4 pass rush grade on the season, which is the second highest in the NFL, only trailing Miles Garrett of 94.5 in the entire NFL, and he's an interior defender. Start Dexter Lawrence every week. <laughs> Love it. Uh, all right. Well, the new look Las Vegas Raiders, I got. Uh, yeah. yeah, no Josh McDaniels, no GM. My Dave brother Craig. is a Raiders fan, and he couldn't be happier. <laughs> I bet you Devontae Adams is happier, too. I mean, oh, not, yeah. that, not that he couldn't be any more mad based on how he looked Monday night at the end of that game. Um, but yeah, so linebacker two in Las Vegas, Divine Diablo. Well, he's out. All right, Luke Masterson, he's out. All right, so who do we got left? We got Amari Ber- Bernie, rookie. Uh, yeah, so when, when Luke Masterson <laughs> suffered his concussion in the first quarter uh, on Monday night, uh, Amari Bernie stepped up and was and, and, and filled in the shoes for him right away. So, um, Bernie, you know, we don't have a lot of film on him. Uh, not really sure, you know, if he'll get the full complement of snaps. It looked like it based on how he stepped into that role, but now they have a full week to, well, a shorter week being on the Monday night, but they have a week to plan um, for their matchup here against the Giants. Um, I'm going to say Bernie is the likely one. If you're in a position where you need to kind of jump in uh, or have a deeper play in that linebacker four range, you could 
you could probably do worse than Bernie because LB2 for the Raiders has been a productive position um, and sees that near kind of 90% snap range. So, And both Divine Diablo and Luke Masterson were already DNPs here for Wednesday um, with both of their respective injuries. So, again, in a pinch, Amari Bernie. Uh, Trayvon, Mar- Trayvon Merrig is who I want to talk about here. Uh, 10 tackles last week. However, they did play 86 snaps. So... Still, still good efficiency, especially for a safety. But, um, you know, when you get to play nearly 90 snaps, it's a lot easier to pile up 10 tackles in a game. Uh, but yeah, great, great game overall. I just look back to the rest of the season. He was, he was a 7.5% tackle efficiency if you, for every game besides this last one that he played in where he racked up nearly 11.5% tackle efficiency. So, um, coming in here against a, a lower efficiency offense in the in the Giants. I don't think anyone would confuse that Giants offense for what the Lions are running out there right now. So with that said, I definitely expect there to be a situation in terms of just lower overall opportunities uh, for snaps played and what, the, what they run out there in terms of the Giants offense. He's still a very viable safety that we should be starting this week uh, in that safety two range, but just... I think last week was an outlier and not something we should be looking forward to or expecting for him moving forward. Um, he's going to kind of have that same floor that he's had before, um, more in that four to six tackle range. Yeah, he's he's had a little bit of a better season tackle-wise this season than he has in his career. But I think his, his box numbers have increased a little bit. But mm-hmm. I just think that the center of that defense just really isn't good. So I think it's provided him a couple more tackle opportunities being more of that deep safety style. But yeah, I, I do like him, but I think he's a better football player than he is IDP player. I, I think that's a really good assessment of him too. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, he but was, I, do I, remember, think he's I just remember, oh, I was so pumped when he was at yeah, three years ago when he came out. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I loved watching the, the clips of him, man. He was, oh, yeah. dude was a playmaker all yep. over the field. So, all right, I, I won't lament about three years ago draft classes. Uh, <laughs> our final Sunday afternoon game, we got the Cowboys at the Eagles. All right, I'm going with a pair of uh, defensive backs for the Cowboys. Uh, Deron Bland, he's been playing very, very well. So uh, Trayvon Diggs has been out. He's out for the season. Uh, Bland, as a starter, he's been very good. Uh, over his last four games, he has 18 tackles. Eight passes defended, three interceptions, two of those interceptions being returned for a touchdown. He's a big play waiting to happen. Uh, Hertz has thrown the ball a tie for fifth most in the NFL, and 50% of his passes are targeting A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, which means Bland should stay incredibly busy all day. Um, I'm also going to go with uh, safety Donovan Wilson. Uh, since he's gone back, uh, his his snaps have increased a bit. Uh, he's got 28 tackles since returning from injury. That's five games. Uh, his snaps have increased to 74.6% over the last three after being eased in at 62 for the first couple. Um, the Eagles are top 10 in points allowed to safeties, and Donovan Wilson's one of those those safeties that really plays close to the line or close. He's in the box very often. So, with Malik Hooker playing deep, they don't really have to worry too much. So, I'm going to say this should be a good week for Donovan Wilson. <coughs> and you know, I just love that Deron Bland technically has more receiving touchdowns than the likes of Brandon Ayuk, Drake London. Amari Cooper, Chris, Chris Godwin, Chris Olave. <laughs> Gosh. 
just just putting that out there just for a fun oh, fact, right? Three interceptions returned for a touchdown this year for Deron Bland. What what a year. I love it. So Damn it. uh for the Eagles, Sydney Brown. Sydney Brown getting into the lineups. I love this, man. I would love to see a big Sydney Brown believer, right? I I I'm I was all in. I tried to scoop up as pretty much every share I could in Dynasty. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, I really thought by by their bye week he would have locked down a role somewhere in that defense pretty consistently. And what I really like to see here is is this week, or this last week, excuse me, he got the start as a primary slot defender. So he played 40 overall snaps, 32 of them in the slot, and managed to deliver seven solo tackles for that. Um Obviously, bringing in Bayard kind of squashed, I think, any high hopes in terms of Sidney Brown really taking over somewhere in the back end of that defense. But what I do love is that, to me, this indicates that the coaching staff loves what they have in Sidney Brown or really likes it, right? And they need to find a way to get him on the field. And they did so. And he's found a way to be very, very relevant with it already. Now, this is not me telling you to go start Sidney Brown this week either. I'm sure you can find better streaming options overall, potentially. But this is me saying Sidney Brown is someone you should be trying to get on your dynasty rosters, in my opinion, because the talent is there. And I think the Eagles are going to try to fully unlock that at some point this year. And really, year two is probably where we're going to see more of his value realized. But I think the trajectory is very positive at this point for Sidney Brown overall. All right. We talked about the Cleveland linebackers room. Well, the Eagles were like, hold my beer. Uh, now they're the ones you like. I think we can confuse people just as much, right? We'll have Zach Cunningham take 51 snaps. Then we'll have Nicobe take 50. And then we'll get Nick Morrow in there for 27. And then no one will really know who the real guy is, right? All right, perfect. Go. Uh, so, um, but we can, I think we can at least clearly say Morrow is one of the odd men out here. Um, it's Cunningham and Nicobe Dean. But the lack of a full time role still for Dean at this point is really concerning, especially based on where he started the season, the expectations a lot of us in the IDP space had for him this season, um, and even what he showed us on the field. Now, he was still hyper-efficient with this week, I think mm-hmm. notching 12 combined tackles. We just, I, I need to have a little more clarity before I'm ready to fire these guys up into my you know, LB3 and better range every week. Um, I'm comfortable with them as a flex option type thing. Uh, especially probably more Nicobe because I think he can do more in the passing side of the defense, whereas Zach Cunningham, you know, you talked about, hey, we know what some of these guys are, right? Like they're just they're just traditional run thumpers and and that's what Zach Zach Cunningham can do oh, yeah. first and second down. Um but Dean Dean in a pinch, Cunningham, I'm I'm probably fading and, and Morrow's out completely, but gosh darn it, we, we really thought we had something with this Eagles linebacker room to start the year. We had, you know, kind of lockdown. We knew who LB1 was. We knew LB2 was and their roles and the expectations. And here we are, week nine. I, I'm confused. Yeah, <laughs> right? So it's like I'm like that SpongeBob meme where he's like, all right, I'm out. Like. <laughs> I uh, I love the, the Eagles safeties and defensive backs this week against the Cowboys because I think they're going to have to play catch up a little bit. I think Dak's going to have a lot of confidence after how he played last week and he's going to face this pass rush of the Eagles that's just ferocious and with Sidney Brown in there with with Kevin Byard now in there they have a lot of playmakers on that defensive back end mm-hmm. and I think we might see the Dak Prescott last year that was one of the leaders in interceptions this week against the Eagles. I'm, I'm going to call that for this week. 
you know what? I feel bad because I didn't come to this conclusion in prepping for this. But now that we're talking through this, right? Like the way that he was peppering CD Lamb and how they love to run Lamb out of the slot. I actually might like I might like Sidney Brown a little bit this week, right? Yeah. I, I I might find a way to sneak him into maybe some DB threes in my lineups because, uh, yeah, it's, Brown might see a lot of action. And like you said, between that pass rush and, and some other playmakers around there. Uh, there might be a chance for Cindy Brown. So you know what? I've completely kind of flipped the script here. Thanks to you, Joey. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I might be taking Brown out of some taxi squads, and I'm going to be firing him up this week. And you know, I might do the same just because. I like it. This is this is what it's all about. Coming coming to conclusions on our own lineups here as, as we're trying to prep everybody else's. <laughs> as we're sitting here scrambling real quick, Thursday's tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, all right. Moving into our Sunday evening game, we have the Bills at the Bengals, a rematch of the DeMar Hamlin incident. So a lot of a lot of probably emotions to be running high in this in this game coming in for both teams. Um, hopefully it's a it's a great, healthy overall showing. But regardless, we still want to figure out our lineup. So who do we got on the Bills side? There's not many that I actually like too much in this matchup. I mean you're going to start Terrell Bernard no matter what. Um, Dotson seems like he almost took over the linebacker two role now. Dorian Williams had that one good week. It's it's, it's kind of confusing me. I'm, I'm staying away from it. But one guy I do want to say start that's been kind of quiet over the last year and a half is Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer was playing a lot of uh, a lot of cover two last year and a little bit earlier this year. Um, but... This year, he's been used in the box a lot more. I think it's probably because of the loss of Tremaine Edmonds and uh, Matt Milano now, but his box usage is almost up 10% compared to 2022, where he had his down year. Uh, week 8, he played 66% of his snaps in the slot or in the box. So this is another week I say that Jordan Poirier is going to be playing closer to the line of scrimmage, and he could actually maybe come up with a, a nice chunk of tackles again. He's got 17 in his last two games, so... That that box usage has been working very well for Poyer. When he's there, he's making tackles. So I'm going to say start Jordan Poyer against the Bengals. Um, on the flip side, I'm going to say sit Gregory Russo. Been kind of a disappointment for me this year. Um, I don't know. He he's had a sack. He hasn't had a sack in the past three weeks, and he only has three on the season. Uh, Bengals have only allowed 17 on the season overall, which is sixth fewest. Uh, it's just it's not a good matchup, and Russo hasn't been productive, and they have Von Miller back now. They have Leonard Floyd in there. They have Russo. They have AJ Epinesa who's playing well. So it's just, it's it's more of a rotation than you'd think. And Russo, who you think would be the leader, is actually kind of faded behind Floyd and Epinesa, who've been actually the guys coming up with the sacks this season. So I'm going to say sit Russo this week against the Bengals. Leonard Floyd, man, like he just comes in this old man and he just like, I mean, I get it. He was a, he was a top draft pick when he, when he came into the league. And so, I mean, yes, it makes sense in that regard, but like at the, at the back end of his career, like he just goes into places and he's just like, okay, sure. I'll give you 10 sacks. Like I got nothing right. else going on this year. So, um, and just quietly does this and, and keeps delivering for us. And yeah, I think he's quietly usurped intentionally, unintentionally, the, the kind of that lead edge rusher role, obviously Von Miller's kind of the face of it still, but. Um, That's, it's kind of cool. He kind of quieted the. Uh, he was only good because of uh, Aaron Donald. Aaron effect. Donald, yeah. Because yep. you mean you saw when Fowler came in, he had ten sacks. He left. He was nothing after that. Floyd was nothing coming in. Ten sack seasons in a row, and then he left. Yep. It's like, all right. So what's he going to do? Is he going to go revert back to his old ways, or is he going to continue his his progression? Yep. 
Uh, all right. On the Bengals side, I got defensive tackle DJ Reader. Back-to-back games of five pressures. So 10 pressures total on 49 pass rush snaps. So talking, you know, 20% pass rush pressure rate over the last couple of games. Um, Bills do have uh, a top half line in terms of pressure rates allowed. Um, and Josh Allen, I mean, I would find it difficult to tackle someone 6'4", 250 as well. So uh, I can I can understand why he doesn't get sacked as often as other quarterbacks, especially those pressured at a similar rates. Um, but I, st- I still love what DJ Reader has done in terms of uh, really upping his pass rush production um, this season overall, but specifically here these last few games. Um, don't know that I would be confident, you know, banking him for a sack this week, but I think, you know, he's definitely someone who's going to give you uh, a strong floor still in terms of what he does in the run game. The Bills have a clear commitment to the run game, uh, even if it's not at, at the higher rates of, of the rest of the teams in the league. They, they still want to bring some aspect of that, and, and Reader is just going to eat up those tackles on the inside. I, I like him uh, specifically in DT-required leagues. I'm, I'm going to fire him up everywhere. Uh, however, you know, you know, sleeper formats, right, where you're just DL tags or DL designations, Probably a little lower at this point. I'm going to say closer to a, a DL3 range for me, DL4 maybe even. Uh, linebacker two for the Bengals, Jermaine Pratt. He's shown us that he can be a linebacker two in our lineups at times. Um, you know, great, great utilization. Uh, he's propped up um, a little bit of a lower tackle weeks with with some uh, big plays. He's got uh picked up his second interception of the year this last week um, and really sitting around uh, average tackle efficiency at 12.4% so far this year. That That's not the tackle efficiency we'd like to see for someone that's closer to an LB2 in our lineups, but he does enough to deliver those splash plays that, you know, maybe it's kind of more that you're, you're injecting that boom bust into your lineup. So, you know, yeah, you're going to take, you know, a, a six tackle week, uh, one week, but you know that there's potential for him to give you six tackles and a sack or six tackles and the pick. And those big plays are what can really make a difference in our lineups. And so I'm very comfortable firing up Jermaine Pratt in that LB2, LB3 range for us, um, especially in this matchup uh, against the Buffalo Bills offense that I think has really kind of started to find its stride. It, it's just, hey, we've got to focus on very specific things. we got to tar- hyper-target Stefan Diggs. They got Sha- Khalil Shakir going last week in the middle of the field. And I think this is the other spaces where you can see Jermaine Pratt continue to be uh, effective for us as an LB too. Yeah, it's kind of kind of nice to see him progress over the past few years because he came into the league and he was literally just he was like a seventy percent snap guy. He was just yep. first two downs and it's like that you knew that's that's all you had. And even the second year was a little bit of the same. And then last year you started to see a little bit. You started to see him progress a little bit towards the end of the season. And then this season, to start the season, he was absolutely on fire. And he slowed down a little bit, but he's still shown that. And the and obviously the Bengals have shown more confidence in him because his snap share is higher than it has been in his entire career. So it's kind of cool to see. Yeah, it is, it is exciting to write to see people build that build themselves up and, and then continue to deliver with that once they've get, been given the opportunity. And I and it was interesting too because he was I think he was the player that like got really upset when they lost to the Chiefs in that game when uh, Joseph Osai, you know, yep. putting bad names on all the Joeys out there. <laughs> Terrible Joe Joseph Osai. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, and like he was walking all the the field or whatever. He's like, I hate this place, or I don't want to be or something something like that or whatever. And but they still resigned him. They brought him back. They they've given him an expanded role, and all he's done so far is deliver for them. Yep. So. All right, final matchup of the week. We got the Chargers at the Jets. 
Monday night. Take us away. Kenneth Murray, the guy we've all written off. He's been actually very good this year. Uh, he has eight or more tackles in five to seven games this season. He's rocking a 96% snap share. Uh, he's got a 72.5 coverage grade over the past four games. That's going to keep him on the field. Uh, they're playing a run-heavy Jets team, especially with Zach Wilson behind the center. Uh, I mean, Brees Hall has been absolutely amazing every time he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, he's a big play waiting to happen, so they're going to try to give him the ball as much as they possibly can. Uh, so Kenneth Murray, he's going to stay busy. I mean, he's going to he's going to follow screens. He's going to cover tight ends. He's going to be hard nosed right in the middle of the field looking for tackles. So start Kenneth Murray. Uh, I I love him this week. Um, also going with old man Khalil Mack. I know he's had most of his productions, uh, most of his production on one week when he had six sacks. But still, I mean, he's he's still coming up with pressures, but. I mean, the, the Jets have allowed the eighth most sacks, 24th. Um, he's got his best pass rush grade since 2020, Khalil Mack does. And they're playing Zach Wilson. Uh, need I say more? I mean, fire him up. I mean, with Bosa and Khalil Mack, it's, it's just going to be a bad day for, for Zach Wilson, who really has limited pocket awareness. He really does, and, and he likes to hold on to the ball. And as yeah. someone who... Uh, faced Khalil Mack in week six. Uh, my opponent had him. I won that game, and I am proud of that. Nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. That's a lot to overcome. But, um, yeah, I watched Aiden O'Connell just hold on to the ball. And, I mean, Zach Wilson isn't that bad, but he definitely has that tendency. And we saw that Khalil Mack can feast. If you're going to give this guy an extra quarter of a second, half mm-hmm. second, well, yeah, I, I love this. Yeah, fire him up this week. Uh, all right. Then the last team we have, the Jets. Speaking of guys, we want to fire up on a pass rush side. Jermaine Johnson, dude, just had a week last week. Kind of that big coming, maybe a bit of a coming out party. I think we kind of knew already. Um, he's had great numbers up to this point, but just um, really, really, really burst onto the scene last week. Um, but what I love to see is that uh, forty plus snaps at least in the last three games, um, averaging. Uh, just shy of five pressures a game and adding 10 tackles per game to boot on top of that o- over the last three. Um, the Chargers are a slightly above average matchup overall in terms of their offensive line and what they allow for pressure rate um, and and converting into sacks. But Jermaine Johnson clearly is one of the lead uh, edge rushers in, in this rotation. Um, he's someone that you need to have, I think, in your lineup moving forward at this point. And, you know, yes, because maybe he's a little lower in terms of he's not getting that 70, 80, 90% snap rate. You know, you might get some one or two tackle games and, you know, you just kind of have to live with that, but know that you can get some just massive games out of Jermaine Johnson moving forward. Uh, and lastly, Tony Adams. So if you haven't already heard the name, starting safety for the, the New York Jets, um, he's providing us with a really nice tackle floor. Uh, 11.1 tackle efficiency, which is actually really good um, for for safeties overall. We really see that number float closer to uh, like nine, nine and a half percent. And first, I mean, I don't want to say first year, but first year as a starter, Tony Adams turned turning out really good numbers. Uh, we also saw his best utilization this last week with 35 box snaps. I don't. It's, it's a one week sample size, so we don't want to say that this is the trend that we expect. 
but it's definitely something we want to start paying attention to because if all of a sudden he is rolling down into the box more consistently and he's taking a third of his snaps closer to the line of scrimmage like that and he's already been able to deliver a strong tackle efficiency prior to having that kind of ideal alignment, maybe we see a little bit of an uptick for Tony Adams um, and he can become someone that is a more mainstay in our lineups uh, <coughs> for us week to week. So Tony Adams, again, probably rostered already, but a name to keep out, keep an eye on for, and uh, st- watch where we're trending towards with him. Yeah, I also love the- Bryce Hoff. Oh yeah, Bryce, Bryce Hoff. Hoff. I, I, he was one of my starts last week in my article, and I just I love the guy, and he was able to produce, but he's on like whatever. He gets like six snaps a game, and he's like, cool, I'm going to get two sacks in these six right. snaps because he's just hyper-efficient. So Yeah, I had Jermaine Johnson as my one of my streaming DLs last week, which so I was like, sweet. But uh, I mean, I love what he's been doing recently, and he, the Chargers are so pass-heavy that he's going to have so much opportunity. Exactly. So, I mean, you opportunity is opportunity even if it's against again a slightly above average matchup so all right sir that's that's the 14 games we got this week so uh here this is the part where we jump into a little bit of q a got some questions from the listeners um so yeah i'll read them to you you let me know where you're at and we'll go from there sir so uh first one we got we got zach uh so he's just not sold on perryman only seeing 50 percent of the snaps do we think this is the case going forward? Is Cashman the only near full-time linebacker? Uh, I think he is. I think Cashman is the only full-time linebacker. I mean, I think a lot of Perriman's usage is going to depend on how well the Texans play the rest of the season. If they if they're a legitimate playoff contender, Perriman will still keep seeing he'll, he'll I think he'll see the higher end of the 50-60%, but I don't think they're going to stop playing to o to o to to o to o. <laughs> his name kills me but <laughs> but i mean it's it's going to be like either 60 40 on pyramids and or like the 55 45 i don't see pyramid taking over a 70 80 percent snap rule i think cashman's the only full-time linebacker and the only one you want to roster on the team like i said earlier i think he's he is ryan's poor man fred warner i love it and that's i figured that's where we'd end up on this one haven't had the conversation earlier in the show but uh, just validating that here for Zach. All right. He also asked, are Derwin's big tackle number days numbered? And I, th- I threw some of my notes in there, so you can you can read them or use them, but I- I'll let you answer the question, and I have my thoughts as well. And, you know, honestly, I went through – I looked at your notes, and they was actually like perfect to read. So, I mean, his his usage is different. But, I mean, still, like, sure, his he's pacing for only 90 tackles. But that's not that far off, if and especially if you're comparing his usage. I mean, they lost um, they lost one of their better deep safeties this year. I mean, Alohi Gilman, he's good, but he's not great. Um, so I think they need it's just how they need to use Derwin James this year. This year, his 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 uh, his tackle days may be numbered, but I don't think it is going forward. I don't think Gilman's going to be a mainstay uh, as their deep safety. I think they're going to they're going to keep drafting. They're going to find somebody to replace him and help Derwin James be able to move to where they can use him better. Because right now, Derwin James is the type of player that you're going to play him where you need him because he can play anywhere. So right now, they need him to play a little deeper. So that's where he's going to be this year. But once they find a replacement for Alohi Gilman, it's going to be Derwin James going to go back to what Derwin James does best. Beautifully said. 
Joey. I, I couldn't agree more. The one thing that I, I thought interesting too, right, is that he's actually pacing out for his second best pass rush opportunities uh, upside too. So he's looking at 45 pass rush um, uh, situ- or opportunities this year, uh, which is still drastically underneath his rookie season where he had 75. Um, but I, I think the, the thing that people feel the most in this, it's like, okay, I'm looking at his tackle numbers. I'm really fo- hyper-focused on this because he has zero sacks this year, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. He, I'm pretty sure last this last week he just got his first interception. So we're not seeing these other splash plays that help kind of lift up that that experience of of starting um, or having ex- high expectations around a defensive back because there's great variation in defensive back scoring for IDP. If you didn't know that already, ha- hashtag sh- spoiler alert. Like that's just what happens. Um, <laughs> so, you know that said, hey. He's likely going to have some positive regression and pick up, start picking up some sacks. Um, potentially, if he's playing more in coverage, there's a chance he's going to get another pick or two here in the near future. So, yes, maybe lower your expectation on floors, and just you're going to hope to inject some of that boom into your lineup with some of those big plays that should be um, in the in the near future for him. So, all right, and lastly, uh, a good friend of mine uh, happens to also be named J.K. Uh, he <laughs> he's got a question for you. So. Um, you know, he, he had Chase Young, um, and he has Aiden Hutchinson, and he's got Carl Granderson in his lineup, and he thought he had his bye weeks all taken care of beautifully. And then Chase Young now has the a, a week nine bye all of a sudden. So he's looking like, hey, who would you play out of this group? Uh, Josh Uche, Samson Ebukam, Boye Mafe, Christian Wilkins, and Dexter Lawrence. I talked about him earlier, Dexter Lawrence, man. 23 pressures in the last two games, three sacks in the last two games, nine tackles. So four and a half tackles a game, one and a half sacks a game, and literally 11 and a half pressures a game. In the last two dudes on fire. He, he is in a, I love in a it. good yeah. matchup. <laughs> so I might have to do some finagling to get him, but I think I can. And that's where I was like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I was all excited to, to have Chase Young go for me this week. It was part of a recent trade. And then I was like, oh, I gotta wait till next week now. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Well, that that's it for the questions. And I I, I figured I'd throw that one in there just for some fun conversation because you guys, you listeners, send us all the questions. We love talking through your lineups. We love talking mm-hmm. through your stuff. So it was a quiet week this week. Um, hopefully that's because you all have already locked down all your lineups. You're like, boom, I I gotta set and forget set of studs here because i've been listening to your beautiful brains this whole yeah, time injuries having like <laughs> for those non for those audio listeners joy just presented us with a big middle finger because that's how some people's lineups are <laughs> <laughs> all right good sir well, well joy tell us tell the good listeners where they can find you hopefully they already know but if, if they don't we want to get them to you where else can they find you besides this pod uh you can find all of my work at footballguys.com uh i have Dynasty and redraft projections, um, dynasty rankings. Uh, I do a streaming DL article, edge rushers and IDL. I do two of each position and then sleepers. And uh, I'm just incredibly active in the offseason. I think I wrote 18 articles this offseason, and we did, I think, 23 articles as a group. We call them roundtables with everybody on staff. We just pick we pick categories and we just we all talk about it and we just throw it into an article. So we did those off season. So off season super busy for us. 
So you can find all of that at footballguys.com. I'm just going to say this. I, right, so I, I do my own research. I create my own content. I'm cool. Uh, <laughs> I pay for a Football Guys subscription so I can read Joey's stuff, so I can read Kyle Bellafield's stuff, right? You know, um, you know, obviously Gary Davenport, you know, I'm hopefully if you play IDP, you're familiar with Gary Davenport. Um, but if not, one of the original people mm. in the IDP space, like there is good content there, right? Trip. Like, forget so it, it's it's well written. Yeah, trip. Oh my god, trip. How can I forget trip, dude? I that football brain of his, yeah, if I could huge. just like inject it into my huge. veins, I would. Like that guy is oh. so, but needless to say, right? Like, this is good stuff. It's well written, it's enjoyable, it's entertaining, it's informational. So you guys definitely need to check them out. You can check them out as well on Twitter, X, however you reference it at joy the tooth idp um and he is just the kindest soul the most genuine man the nicest fella joy i love working with you we talked about how this is way too long since we've last i think done anything it's like been nine months yeah i didn't realize it was that long it's kind of kind of made me sad a little bit we we will get together again soon my friend in one yeah. way shape or form so thank another you what, so much. For three weeks right that, hey hey I, I can hope i can hope yeah yeah, yeah. i'm in <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, Joey, thank you so much. Thank you to all the listeners. Good luck in all your week nine matchups. Peace. Yeah.